Welcome to the Horseman's Academy podcast presented by Lundahl Performance. We believe in making advanced horsemanship accessible, and our mission is to present a raw, authentic look at horse training. We're problem solving, we're answering difficult questions, and we're breaking down common sense exercises for riders of all levels. On this podcast, we document the lessons we've learned in our own horsemanship journey while offering insights that might help you achieve your horsemanship goals. Thank you for listening. There's a lot of different horse training theories, but rather than getting bogged down into what theory is best, let's talk about the end result. Let's talk about the bottom line. When you're looking at a horsemanship program or you're looking at a trainer to send your horse to, or you've got a problem that you're struggling with and you're looking for a coach to help you get to the next level, there's only four questions in your mind that at the end of the day really matter, that once those get answered, pretty much answers everything else. And those questions are, what's in it for me? How is this possible? How does it work? And if those things line up, how can I get started? So let's talk about if you follow the program that I teach, what's in it for you? In a nutshell, you get to experience the feel of riding an elite horse. Now, a lot of people will bristle at that notion and they say, well, the horse that I'm riding is not elite. You know, even if they have some performance breeding, it's, it, you know, their pedigree is not going to cause anybody's jaw to drop. What do you mean an elite horse? Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you, an elite horse. In the same way that a really good swing coach for golf or baseball can get you in the position and show you a couple basic mechanics and you go through a couple swings and then you have this aha moment where you feel something that you've never felt before and you practice that swing and you go to the tee box and you hit you know maybe you're a slicer you've been struggling with that for years maybe you tend to hook the ball really bad or you're just not very consistent your swing is all herky-jerky you go through a practice session with a good coach and then all of a sudden something clicks and you just hit this monster drive and you watch it go and you're like oh my god you get to experience firsthand the type of ball flight and the satisfaction that people on the PGA Tour, like that's their day-to-day. You get to experience a slice of it. No one is saying that you have to become a professional golfer, but the fun of the game is to feel that success, right? And I feel like that's the same way in horsemanship. The fun of the game is feeling certain things happen with a horse that make you go, whoa, <laughs> like, holy shit, I did not realize my horse was capable of doing something like that. That felt freaking awesome. Those types of experiences are what we help people get to, giving you a slice of what it feels like to be on an elite horse. And if you do happen to be that kind of person whose horse has the big time pedigree, then the results just become all the more exponential. But I argue that even someone who's very casual, who just trail rides on the weekends, just in their horsemanship, the connection they feel to that animal, the confidence they have, the safety, and therefore the ability to relax and fully enjoy the experience of going on that trail ride because you feel so much more confident and connected to your horse, those benefits are there even 
if that person never sets foot in the show pen, there are things that can be applied from the Western performance world, things that elite horses are doing and that elite riders are often taking for granted. If the average horse owner can just get a percentage of that, their life with their horse would be so much better and so much more fun. It's just like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're trying to become a major league baseball player or you're playing beer league softball with your buddies on the weekends. The fun of the game is barreling the baseball, hitting an absolute piss missile over the fence or into the gap and either getting a home run or getting to run the bases. Grounders to the shortstop are not exciting. Walks are not exciting. Barreling the baseball and that feeling of just absolutely crushing it, that is exciting. That's the whole fun of the game. So the question is, okay, that's the feel we want. How is that possible though? Like what are these elite performance horses doing? What are the signature moves that they're making and how they're using their body and how they're using their balance? Um, what are the riders doing to teach them these maneuvers, get them in these positions to where they can do these incredible things? Like how does any of that work? How, how, how does that even, how's that even possible? Do you, does your horse just have to have world-class breeding? Well, breeding goes a long way to be sure, but even the least talented horses can be taught to manage their balance, to be softer, to give you a feel that is very reminiscent of what a genetic freak level talented horse can accomplish. And how that's possible, I've broken it down into a category of different moves or skills that transfer across all different kinds of exercises and maneuvers. Basically everything that we're trying to put in place as far as a foundation on our horse is like depositing money into these various bank accounts. It's like we've got five different types of investment accounts. We've got a 401k, we've got an IRA, we've got a checking account, we've got savings. They all have a different function and we're trying to invest in all of them and get that balance up and up and up on all of them. And a few of them, like a growth-oriented stock portfolio, let's say, has the potential to give you massive leverage. So on a more talented horse, the gains will be all the more extreme. It'll just be like magnified. But even on a less talented horse, you'll still feel that bump in performance and just enjoyment and the fun of how that horse feels riding around. So what are these five skills? Let's go through them. The first one is very simple and it's drive. Drive meaning your ability to create movement in the horse's feet. The more effectively you can create movement, and the more effortlessly that you as the rider can cause that horse to move its feet forwards or backwards, that has a huge effect on the rest of your riding. And that is one of the most important skills, especially in the early days that we lock into place with our young horses and that we continue to build from and maintain. That is absolutely the foundation of everything that we do. Being able to effortlessly create movement is the core of anything that we do with a horse especially forward motion. Without forward motion, you can't train a horse. It's just that simple. But that's number one. Number two is direction. That horse's ability to follow a feel. Many things that we try to do with our horses require us to teach them the skill of how to follow a feel and relax and soften to pressure and be willingly guided. That's no easy task, given that the horse's instincts are the direct opposite. Horses by default lean on pressure. They resist pressure. 
They try to avoid, shirk, flee, anything that makes them uncomfortable. Softening to pressure is not a default setting for any horse. Now, depending on breeding and how docile that horse is and how naturally willing they are to please, that can inform how quickly they learn that skill of how to get soft and be willingly guided, which is why a lot of people that ride the elite horses often downplay or rush through that initial process because they're just able to coast on the genetics of the horse. But more difficult horses, you have to spend more time developing that skill because those horses are just more naturally hard-headed and resistant. You have to become all the more diligent about teaching them that habit of how to soften to pressure and follow a feel and stay relaxed about it. And I'm not just talking about direct rein pressure. I'm also talking about leg pressure, for example, being able to yield and move that horse's forequarters and hindquarters, all extremely important. All falls under the umbrella of what I call direction. So we've got drive, we've got direction, then we've got draw. I also refer to this as coil. I kind of use those terms interchangeably because when I talk about draw, a lot of people visualize drawing or pulling back on the reins, and that's not the right way to think about it. But when I say coil, what I'm talking about is the move and the feeling of that horse getting into its legs, loading up on its hocks and shifting its weight back in a committed way. That loading action, kind of like you see cutting horses, cow horses do, or if you watch reining horses, particularly the ones that spin really well, you notice that loading action. You notice that horse getting into his hind legs and getting his weight back in a fast spin and using his hindquarters as a platform to make a balanced spin. He's able to hold himself in that maneuver instead of allowing the centrifugal force and the speed to pull him forward and out of that maneuver. He's actually committed to staying back, getting his weight back and staying with the rider. That feeling of a horse using himself that way translates to many things from spins, as I just mentioned, to balanced transitions, to sliding stops, to your cow work and being able to have that horse stop and be secure in that load up and get their balance. It's basically the horse equivalent of an athletic position. The athletic position, quote unquote, is kind of universal in pretty much all sports where you're balanced, you're lower to the ground, you're into your legs, you're athletic and you're ready to make a move. This is effectively what we're talking about here with horses, this coil feeling, that move of that loading action and getting the weight back is incredibly important. And it doesn't just translate to spins. It doesn't just translate to sliding stops. It translates to everything. A good example, though, of what I was talking about earlier is on an extremely talented horse or even one with just average talent or even slightly below average talent. If we really get this right, it will help us create a sliding stop. Now, again, with a horse that's less talented but still capable, we just have to be more diligent in how we teach this and how consistent we get it. You can cheat oftentimes with horses that are way more talented and just offering this to you because they're so naturally good about it. Other horses need some help. They need help actually learning how to manage their balance better underneath of us and get in better positions than they would if just left to their own devices. That's where we come in and help them and teach them this, this mechanic and teach them better muscle memory that enables them to do their job. So we've got drive, we've got direction, and we've got draw, 
or coil, as I like to refer to it. Then we've got collection. Collection is something that means lots of different things to lots of different people. So I'm going to define my terms here. I use the term collection interchangeably with true softness. That's another term I use frequently. Or you'll hear me talk about a horse breaking at the withers. What I really am talking about is this movement and action and feeling of the horse relaxing and softening their entire head and neck, particularly in response to vertical flexion, to, to actual bridle pressure on their face. You hear people talk about getting face on a horse, and this is the end result of that, this true softness, this collection, where you pick up and apply pressure, especially vertically, on a horse's mouth, and the horse relaxes, softens, and settles into that pressure. It's not simply that they snap their nose down towards their chest and look to create slack in the reins. They are confident to stay with you and allow themselves to be picked up on in that moment. And they actually not pull on you. That's completely different. They're not pulling against you and they're not forcing their head down or trying to root on the bridle. But what they're doing is what English people call seeking contact or the horse being on the bit where they actually relax into the pressure softly and willingly guided, but maintaining a connection to your hands. That's the important point. They don't just snap off and disappear momentarily from your hands and you lose contact with their face because you've got all this slack in the rain. You're able to pick up and ask for that softness vertically to whatever degree that you want, and that horse goes with that feeling and settles into the pressure. They are not intimidated or worried about the fact that you are applying pressure. They're actually confident and know how to settle into it and relax into it and stay soft. The other thing that they're doing as they do that, and typically that is characterized by this look and this feeling, in fact, of the horse softening and relaxing at the point where their neck joins their withers. I tell people, I don't care about a horse breaking at the pole. I don't give a single shit about that horse flexing at the pole. Literally doesn't matter. What I'm interested in is them flexing at the withers. When they break at the withers, I want them rounded out to the point where their withers are kind of the highest point on them. But that is not always applicable depending on the horse because that leads people to think that it's about headset. No. I'm not talking about headset. Don't get it twisted. If the horse has a naturally high headset, they don't need to put their face on the floor. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that breaking at the withers feeling. You can feel it, or if you can't, in my program, we teach you how to develop an awareness to feel it, and you can see it as well. From your position as the rider looking down at that spot on the top of the horse's neck, right where it joins their withers, you can see and feel when they relax those muscles in response to that bridle pressure. It's a different feeling accompanied by a lifting action from underneath. When people talk about collection, oftentimes they'll talk about horses getting round, horses getting up underneath themselves. They'll talk about impulsion and drive off the hindquarters. All that stuff is valid. I simplify it by saying that you will feel this lifting from underneath. The horse will actually travel differently. You'll feel a difference in the way that horse is moving and going along. They will suddenly feel smoother. You'll, you'll suddenly realize, man, this feels good. Like the way that my horse is moving, it just feels 
so much more put together and just so much more confident and you feel this power under you that wasn't there before and at the same time the horse is completely relaxed and content to be in that position that is the end stage of that true softness that we teach in our program you get to that advanced level of collection and it's characterized by that signature move of the horse breaking at the withers, settling into that bridle pressure and staying soft and relaxed and willing, while at the same time lifting and driving up from underneath and getting that signature rounded out look and feeling. Although, as I alluded to, not every horse is going to look like a high level reiner. Not every horse is going to have that perfect bridge and that roundness. When people talk about collection, you know, depending on their headset, depending on their natural way of moving, they won't match video to the elite horse, but the feeling will be similar. Even if in practice, just going around, that horse still carries his head up above his withers, you'll feel a level of softness there and a change in that horse's body that wasn't there before. As one of my clients aptly put it during her lessons, she felt that for the first couple of times ever and she stopped and she's like man it feels like the energy is coming from a different place in the horse's body that's absolutely correct it's an awesome feeling too few people get to feel that on a regular basis with their horses and too many people don't realize that their horse is in fact capable of giving them that you just got to know how to ask and that's what we teach in our program so we've got drive direction coil collection and compression this is the fifth one compression i don't know if you guys have heard the saying before of riding from the inside to the outside kind of a vague notion trainers and, and riding instructors are famous for screaming at people to use more inside leg when riding around what they're really trying to get you to understand is that there's a distinct feeling of the horse driving up into the outside rein. The outside rein is effectively providing structure and guidance. Think of it as the neck rein being on or having a, a little bit of tension and the horse's body compressing up into it, allowing that rein to structure them. And basically that energy, say if you're loping a right circle, that energy is going from the right side of the horse and from your right leg into your left hand. You're kind of almost riding for the outside of the circle and compressing things up into that outside neck rein. We can simplify it further by just talking about how that is the feeling of the neck rein working. What I teach in my program, and, and one of the core tenets of it is that we're eventually putting our horses in the bridle, right? Getting them finished out, getting a high level of finesse and polish and handling on that horse one-handed. So that feeling of how that horse responds to the neck rein is extremely important. It becomes important when you first start guiding that horse around and using indirect rein pressure and having them respond to that in the proper way. And it becomes all the more important as you progress through training. That feeling of that compression into the neck rein, into the outside rein, is basically a blend of that horse getting soft and guiding off of that outside rein. It's steering and guiding and softness and collection welded together. Both of those responses simultaneously when you apply pressure on that outside rein. This is the holy grail, particularly of a finished bridle horse 
that really knows, is really broke to the neck rein and really understands the feeling that you need to have when you pick up on them and apply that kind of pressure. A really advanced horse that is good at their job gets soft and guides off of that neck rein effortlessly and simultaneously. And that is what we're trying to get to. So those feelings, those five moves or concepts are really at the core of our training. If we go up a level and kind of zoom out and then we start looking at different exercises, techniques, what are we teaching? How are we putting in place the building blocks of maneuvers? Everything is a derivation. Everything is growing up. You know, this stuff is like the soil. The exercises and the teaching steps are the root system and the maneuvers are the tree and the fruit up at the surface. This stuff is the soil. This is what everything grows out of and is built around. Everything that we're putting in place is about being able to get the horse to these spots, being able to create these feelings or these sensations with our horse. And again, breeding plays a role in how easy it is to get there. But it's important to get there, whether it's fast or slow or somewhere in between. But these are what I call the big five. Drive, direction, coil, collection, and compression. All these things, these moves, these feelings are the building blocks at that base, lowest resolution level, the simplest level that I can explain of what riding an elite horse feels like. An elite horse has these five moves on them. And everything that they do at a maneuver or an exercise or a technique level feels incredible because the horse is really good in these five areas. They're able to give you that consistently and they're super confident in their job. And as I said, even if a casual rider just applies 10% of what I teach that is performance-based, they will start to feel things on their horse that they've never experienced before and a whole level of connectedness and finesse that wasn't there previously. And that is the same sensation as hitting that monster drive in golf or barreling the baseball and hitting it out of the park. The whole fun of the game is in that feeling. And that's what we're trying to get to. So hopefully this answers the question, what is at the core of what we teach here with the high-level pathway? What is the benefit that it gives you and your horse? Basically, what's in it for you? If you follow my teachings, what is in it for you? Hopefully I've answered that question. The remaining questions on the table, of course, are how is this possible and how does it work? Well, to understand how it's possible, you need to understand the mechanics of how a horse uses his body, and that's a lot more intricate. That's a, a subject for another day. But to be honest, I don't talk too much. You, you guys that have listened to the podcast for a while, you know this. I don't get too lost in the weeds with things like biomechanics. There's a lot of people out there that that is what they do, that is at the forefront of what they teach and, and how they market themselves. I don't get too lost in that. What I try to do is, from an exercise or a technique level, set up situations that give you and your horse the opportunity to get to those spots and experience those feelings for the first time. And then it becomes a question of getting back to that over and over making that muscle memory and then taking those skills and scaling them up, applying what you've learned here to other exercises or indeed advanced maneuvers if that's the direction that you want to go. I'll give you an, a good example. The turning around on the foot exercise that we teach in our program is a very simple and unmistakable way 
to recognize and create over and over the feeling of the horse getting loaded up, that coil that we talked about, them getting their weight back, shifting their weight back on their hocks while getting soft and pliable and loose up front. Once you figure out how to create that feeling and get back to that spot over and over, that applies, you scale it to go teach other things like spins, balance transitions, and collected stops, indeed sliding stops, if that's the direction you're going with your training. But that core move, that coil, that loading action, that draw is at the foundation of all of those. And we use that one exercise in particular to really single out and, and call attention to that feeling and build the horse's confidence that this is where I want to get you to. It also builds confidence in a green rider who's never experienced that before. Once they teach this exercise, if they're doing it the right way, they start to feel something new. They start to feel that change in how the horse is using its body and how it's balancing itself. And they're like, holy crap. Okay, I get it now. Let's get back to that. And you basically self-teach. This is why I don't nitpick on biomechanics and posture and handset and all that too much in my training. I just focus on getting you into the position so you can feel that spot for yourself. And then your brain will naturally take over and figure out how to reverse engineer that and do that over and over, get back to that spot and that release point over and over again. And in the process of that, of course, you're building your horse's confidence as well. And that leads into the next question. Well, how does it work? Well, these exercises, there's actually a sequence to them. There's a specific order that I've discovered. The analogy for which is like syntax. Syntax is words structured together in a particular order that creates a sentence and creates meaning. And one of the breakthroughs that I've had in my program is that I've actually discovered a syntax, a specific order that is the most efficient, most frictionless way to teach horses these skills, an actual pathway to bring them through. And it just so happens to mirror the learning stages that a green rider goes through as they advance and learn these things. It's kind of like each stage of the process, the rider is learning how to become aware of how to release to and reward the horse for giving them certain things. It mirrors very closely with what the horse should be learning and doing at that stage. And that specific sequence of progression, that syntax, the order of the exercises that you're teaching and the order itself mattering a lot. It's very important that they be taught in a specific order because they build on each other in a specific way you rearrange the parts, you lose the meaning, just like talking about language. You take the words of a sentence, you scramble them up, you've lost the meaning. So when I say that I discovered it, that's exactly right. I didn't invent this. Horses showed me this over the course of years and years where I started to notice a pattern. I started to notice, you know, despite how different certain horses might be, different levels talent-wise, different ages and breeds and whatnot, they all hit these same milestones. They go through these same learning curves over and over. And some horses are faster, some are slower. Some take to it more, others need a little more time to develop. And depending on the breed and how that horse is put together, it looks different. The horses are not identically matching on video, but at a core level, they're all doing the same stuff. We're getting to the same milestones. So I started to put those pieces together. I started to recognize that pattern. And what I compare that to is like, 
I didn't invent it. I discovered it in the same way that the relationship between the lengths of the sides of a rectangle and the area inside of that rectangle, that relationship has always existed throughout all of time. It's just a mathematical truth that has always been there. And at some point, humans discovered that and made an equation to calculate that relationship and put a number to it. And that's what I've done with this is I didn't invent anything. I discovered it. Horses are already doing it. They already learn this way. And through training so many horses and coaching so many riders who are learning along with their horses, I noticed this pattern over and over and over until it became unmistakable. So then I started doing it on purpose. And that led me down a path of optimizing it, figuring out how does it work best for the horse and for the rider to learn and what is the most optimal way and ethical way to do this that yes there's still going to be learning curves and confusion and you know learning this stuff is not easy in the sense that you have to put the work in obviously but it's simple it's straightforward once i learned what sequence you should teach things in it was a new game because then it just becomes a matter of okay depending on my horse's talent and trainability and disposition, we can tweak things and help them in certain areas and kind of customize things. But overall, we sh we're hitting the same milestones. There's the same progression. No matter where we are on the scale, we know based on where we're at now what the next step is. The only question is some nuance in how we get there. So that was the real breakthrough, as I said, that I initially stumbled on by accident then started to recreate and do on purpose and figure out how these pieces fit together in the best way. And that's ultimately what I've created with this high-level pathway training system. The ultimate benefit that you get from the high-level pathway is the feeling of riding an elite horse. What makes an elite horse feel the way they do under saddle is their mastery of these five skills. I call them the skills that scale. Drive, direction, coil, collection, and compression. These five abilities influence every single thing we ask our horse to do. And the more our horse masters these skills, the more balanced and correct movement they demonstrate and the more effortless responses they give us. If you've ever watched a high-level rainer or cow horse perform and you felt the hair stand up on the back of your neck, it's precisely because great movement is beautiful to the eye. We can sense movement that is better by how aesthetically pleasing it is. The best performance horses in the world are fun to watch because the way they move and respond is mechanically better than almost all other horses. And it's precisely those mechanics that my training system offers you. The high-level pathway gives you the elite mechanics to maximize every last drop of talent your horse has to offer. There is greatness in your horse. And I want you to feel it. And that's the entire reason Lundahl Performance exists. We give you the keys to the Rolls Royce and we help you unlock dreams you don't even know you have yet. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Horseman's Academy podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a five-star rating to help other horsemen just like you find the podcast. To learn more about the Horseman's Academy or to submit a training question you want covered on the show, visit www.lundallperformance.com.